You are listening to Standing Firm with your host, Pastor James Brown, Jr. This podcast is brought to you by Reformed Church of the Holy Trinity, to earnestly contend for the faith once delivered unto the saints, according to Paul's command in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, to be on guard, to stand firm in the faith, to act like men, and to be strong. For more information, visit us online at reformedholytrinity.org. That is reformedholytrinity.org. Well, we are back to continue our series, Defending Calvinism from the Unbiblical Charges, made by Pastor Matthew Stuckey of Verity Baptist Church, Manila. This is your host, Pastor James Brown, Jr. from Reformed Church of the Holy Trinity, here in Morgan County, Indiana, where winter has finally arrived. It is cold, we have snow on the ground, and just a few days ago, the temperatures was in the high 50s. And so it has been a drastic change, and they're talking about more winter weather coming this weekend. But baseball practice has started for my son's baseball team, and so that gives me hope for spring. In our last podcast, as we introduced this series, I stated that we are going to attempt to uh, to steer clear of all the craziness and wackiness in this new IFB movement. Of course, IFB stands for Independent Fundamental Baptist, and it is proclaiming itself to be a new version of that. But we have seen over the last week or so that this goal may be rather difficult. They like to air their dirty laundry on YouTube, And if you turn on a camera, they do not have one filter to regulate what they will say or do. So, you know, I've I've never watched reality TV programs, but from what I hear, it is very similar with all the dramatic uh, elements and the cat fights and the ridiculous Jerry Springer show type of behavior. For all of you folks that remember the Jerry Springer show, and it's actually downright embarrassing and shameful that all this unorthodox preaching and outlandish behavior gets tied to Christianity. So, we're going to try to stay out of the weeds as much as possible, but we stated in our last podcast that this movement is corrupt and it will produce nothing but corruption. Well, just 24 hours later from our the Uh, uploading our podcast, one of their prominent pastors was exposed for consorting with prostitutes, using marijuana, and gambling. Then, no sooner than that story broke, it turned into a ballroom blitz as the other pastors and influential leaders started devouring each other in their quest for more power. But, everything they do is a spectacle. Even when they think they are teaching the Bible, it's a spectacle. And that's what we're wanting to focus on here at Standing Firm. So let's continue our review of Matthew Stuckey's Calvinism Exposed Clips. Last week we considered his introduction, and today we will be reviewing the first part of his strange approach to total depravity. 
It is a strange anthropology that we find here in these Tacts Against Calvinism. So let us begin. Matthew Stuckey here from Verity Baptist Manila, and I'm coming to you today with a video in regards to the topic of total depravity and with the idea that Calvinists have that everybody in this world is either a child of God or child of the devil. Now there's a verse here they're going to point to like John 8 44 where it says year of your father the devil and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. And they look at verses like this where it says you're of your father the devil and they have this idea that every single person in this world is either a child of God or a child of the devil. You're either predestined for heaven or predestined for hell. He begins here by making an attempt to define the Calvinist position on total depravity but I have to say it does not even reach the novice level. It is evident that he has never read anything on the topic from a historical Calvinist position. His level of understanding seems to go only as deep as those things that he has heard against Calvinism in his own circle. So he's just regurgitating what he has heard other pastors uh, uh, define Calvinism as in his anti Calvinist circle of the new IFB. And believe me, if your level of understanding comes from what Stephen Anderson or some other new IFB pastor has said, then you cannot understand Calvinism because they do not understand Calvinism. Their toolbox only consists of name-calling, mocking, slander, and straw man argumentation. However, this does not relieve him of his duty to know what he is talking about if he is going to set himself forth as a teacher. Sir, if you are going to teach, it is your responsibility to know what you are talking about. Now, since he is beginning with and dealing with total depravity and has said he will deal with things like God's sovereignty in a separate video and things of that nature, uh, we will stay on the topic of a biblical anthropology in relation to this topic of total depravity. But it is evident that there is no thought of God's sovereignty and holiness in his discussion. I mention this because if you understood God in his perfection, holiness, power, justice, and truth, just to name a few, you can easily see where this man stands uh, before him since uh, you can see where man stands before God since Genesis chapter 3 because of man's original sin in Adam all men born from Adam are sinners their nature is not righteousness but depravity it's because of man's sinful nature that he sins he does not become depraved because he sins he sins because he is depraved so his sin actually proves his depravity. It proves what nature that he possesses. Solomon and Paul both attest to the fact that there is no man that sinneth not, and that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But man's sinfulness is the result of the fall and the curse. This is why Paul declares in Ephesians chapter 2 that we are dead in trespasses and sin. Now, Calvinism teaches that all men are born dead in trespasses and sin because that is what the Bible plainly states. Therefore, there is no man who is born a child of God based upon his nature in Adam. We are all sons of Adam, 
And because Adam fell from the original covenant of works, where life was promised if he obeyed God and death if he disobeyed God. Now this is why Paul declares in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 that the wages of sin is death. Now, since God is not the author of sin or death, it goes without question that no man born according to Adam is a child of God. This is also why the Apostle John says in his epistle in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8, and if you want to look that up, that he that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So, whoever commits sin is of the devil. They come from the devil. They belong to the devil. Yes, this is why Jesus told sinners in John chapter 8 and verse 44 that they were of their father, the devil. In John chapter 8 and verse 43 through 45, Jesus is explaining why they were unable to hear his words in the context of believing. It was not because that they were deaf, but because they were unable to believe. Notice in verse 43, Why do ye not understand my speech, Jesus said? even because ye cannot hear my word. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. First of all, we see the devil is the author of sin, because he did not abide in the truth. And he is the father of those who are in the state of sin, false in falsehoods or lies and unbelief. It is because of their nature, which is depraved. They do not believe the truth of the words of Jesus. Due to their nature, because they are born, because, because they are born of Adam, and because they are the children of the devil, and therefore, by nature, they do the things of their father. Now, by depravity, we are not saying that all men are as sinful in their words, thoughts, and deeds as they could be. But what we are talking about is that they are completely affected by the fall and specifically their inability now, some individuals will pursue their depravity, or because of the licentiousness of their environment, will progress further than others in their depravity. But the level of sin does not mean that each man is capable, is not capable, excuse me, of those deeper levels of depravity. We all are. They are capable. All men who possess the nature of Adam are capable of the worst degrees of depravity even if they do not indulge in it. But they are not capable, they are incapable of being righteous. They cannot do that which is pleasing to God. First of all, they cannot do that which is pleasing to God because of their nature. And this is why Paul says in Romans chapter 3, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. 
The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. In the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Second, and Paul immediately follows this description of the nature of man by showing that they cannot be righteous because they are guilty according to the righteous standard of God's law. Notice in Romans chapter 3 and verse 19, Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. So Matthew Stuckey's completely missing um, the point. He misses the idea of total depravity in his statement that, that we believe that some men are the children of God and others the children of the devil. No, we believe that all in Adam are dead in trespasses and sins. We believe all men are sinners. All men are guilty before God, and there is none that seeketh after God. Now, in the fall, man condemned himself by choosing to follow the serpent instead of God. Two places in the book of Revelation tells us that the serpent is the devil. The first one's in Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, where it says that the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. And then in Romans chapter, or excuse me, Revelation chapter 20, verse 2, it says, And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. Adam chose to give his allegiance unto the serpent and fell into a cursed state of sin and death, according to the father of sin and death, which is Satan. Therefore, Adam and his offspring become the children of sin, death, and wrath, according to the father of all that is opposed to God. Therefore, we are born as the children of the devil, and unless, by God's mercy and grace, he adopts us as children unto himself, we are without hope in this world, because we are of our father the devil, and the lust of our father we will do. Stuckey is making a false dichotomy here, because predestination is not what makes you a child of God or a child of the devil. All born in Adam are the children of the devil, the children of wrath. And it is only if God purposes to be gracious unto one who is guilty and condemned because of his own just merits that God will quicken the one who is dead in trespasses and sins. If he purposes by his grace to adopt him who was not his child into the family of God. Total depravity is a different category than predestination, or even those who by God's grace will be adopted as sons. Total depravity is the doctrine of man's sinful state and his inability to be righteous, his inability to justify himself, and his inability to do anything that is spiritually good. You see, Saki has a category distinction problem. And it's because of his inability to make these distinctions that he muddles the whole topic. Now, it really would not take much research for Stuckey to at least give a proper representation of the Reformed view of total depravity if he was really interested in knowing. 
But it is much easier to straw man or to slander any position than it is to accurately represent it and defeat it with the truth. That is, if you have the truth. Now, there are many resources, and you do not have to read volumes of systematic theologies from a Reformed view to understand what we believe. You can find a general statement of what we believe in our confessions of faith, and there are many to choose from. But since I'm a Baptist and Stuckey proclaims to be a Baptist, let me refer you to the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith. The first three paragraphs of chapter 6 states, Although God created man upright and perfect and gave him a righteous law which had been unto life had he kept it, and threatened death upon the breach of it of, uh, thereof, yet he did not long abide in this honor. Satan using subtility of the serpent to subdue Eve, and then by her seducing Adam, who, without any compulsion, did willfully transgress the law of their creation, and the command given unto them in eating the forbidden fruit, which God was pleased, according to his wise and holy counsel, to permit, having purpose to order it to his own glory. Our first parents, by this sin, fell from their original righteousness and communion with God. And we in them, whereby death came upon all, all becoming dead in sin and wholly defiled in all the faculties and parts of soul and body. They, being the root and by God's appointment, standing in the room instead of all mankind, the guilt of the sin was imputed and corrupted nature conveyed to all their posterity descending from them by ordinary uh, generation, being now conceived in sin, and by nature children of wrath, the servants of sin, the subjects of death, and all other miseries, spiritual, temporal, and eternal, unless the Lord Jesus set them free. The six, that's the end of the quote from the 1689 uh, London Confession of Faith. Now, the 1689 Baptists also had a catechism that was put together by one of their ministers, Benjamin Keach. After stating that our first parents, Adam and Eve, being left to the freedom of their own will, fell from the estate wherein they were created by sinning against God, and that sin is, of course, any want of conformity unto or the transgression of the law of God, he then goes on to show that all mankind, or all who were descendants of Adam, fell with him in the first transgression, and this state was one of misery and sin. Then question number 22 asks, Wherein consists the sinfulness of that estate wherein they fell? And the answer that was given by Benjamin Keach is, The sinfulness of that estate whereunto man fell consists in the guilt of Adam's first sin. The want of original or the lack of original righteousness and the corruption of his whole nature, which is commonly called original sin, together with all actual transgressions which proceed from it. End of quote. This is what we most generally believe about total depravity. Notice nothing that I have stated or quoted from our confessional standards as Reformed Baptists says anything close to what Stuckey has depicted. The fact is, Mr. Stuckey does not even know what we believe because he has never taken the time to read or listen. But he then goes on to give us what he believes concerning this topic, and I have no idea what this is because they, talking about the new IFB, 
like so many in our day, are theological schizophrenics. They bounce from one thing to the next without any consideration of whether it fits together, and so you find them making so many contradictory statements that you find yourself thinking someone in their family might need to do an intervention and get them some treatment. But actually, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible actually teaches that there's three groups. There's children of God, there's children of the devil, and there's just your ordinary, everyday, unsaved person. This has to be the craziest anthropology I have ever heard. So he believes in three categories. Children of God, children of the devil, and just your ordinary, everyday, unsaved person. Now Stucky will go farther into these distinctions in the rest of this video and also in his next video, but I mean, come on. Where in the world does the Bible tell us, or where in the Bible do you see even remotely, any type of a category of just ordinary, everyday, unsaved people. I mean, wh what does that even mean? Well, maybe he can make some sense in of it. I doubt it, but let's see. And because they don't understand what we call the reprobate doctrine, it really confuses them. They believe that every single person in this world is a child of the devil before they get saved, before God regenerates them. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that when a person is of age to be able to comprehend these things, they are just a normal, unsaved person. And if they believe on Jesus Christ, they become a child of God, and they're a child of God forever. But at the same time, if they reject God over and over again, they can become a child of the devil. Now, if you're a child of the devil, you're going to be a child of the devil forever. When it says, you are of your father, the devil, these are people where the devil's their father. And just thinking about a son and father relationship, you know, my son will always be my son no matter what. And when a person becomes a child of God, they're a child of God forever because it says it's everlasting life. If they become a child of the devil, they're a child of the devil forever. But most people are neither of those. Most people are just your normal, everyday, unsaved person that we need to preach the gospel to and hopefully they'll get saved. Okay, so our big mistake as Calvinists is in misunderstanding that all men are born dead in trespasses and sins. Our big mistake is understanding that all have sinned and that all men are the children of wrath because the truth that will uh, set everything straight is in knowing that all men are just normal, unsaved persons unless they reprobate themselves. So, if, if we could just understand that men are born as ordinary, everyday, unsaved people, then it would dismantle the doctrine of total depravity and the whole of Calvinism. That is essentially what is being said. But what is the significance of man just being an ordinary, normal, everyday, unsaved person? I think I may start to see where we are going with this. You see, because that means it is not sin that has to be dealt with, and therefore there is no essential need for the imputation of Christ's righteousness, no need for substitutionary atonement, no need for Christ's active and passive obedience. No, since we are just normal, ordinary, everyday, unsaved people, all we need is for someone to make salvation possible so we can save ourselves by our own 
free will and power to believe, which to them is just a weak mental ascent that Jesus died to make it possible for us to get our ticket punched to heaven. You see, when you weaken man's sinful state, you weaken the necessity and power of the gospel. And in the end, you make the gospel unrecognizable and without any meaning. But in the midst of this muddled mess, Stuckey is presenting a view where there are children of God, which according to him are those who believe on Jesus Christ and then become the children of God forever. Notice this saving act does not carry an emphasis of God's grace, the imputation of the righteousness of Christ, substitutionary atonement, or anything other than ordinary everyday people who by their own free will and power believe on Jesus Christ. Then there are those who reject Jesus Christ over and over and become the children of the devil forever. Now there's no explanation of why you get so many chances or why at some point they run out or what that number actually is. I mean, is it the same amount of chances for everyone? I mean, seriously, if salvation is not solely by God's grace, how is this even just? We teach that no man deserves grace because we are all condemned. We were born reprobate. They teach you become reprobate as some arbitrary cutoff point that has no standard and is not equal. This is just plain madness and foolishness. But let's continue. So they're going to point to a lot of verses where it talks about you're of your father the devil, children of Belial. And I would say, yeah, you know, I agree. There's people that are children of the devil, but the Bible does not teach that everybody's a child of the devil. It just teaches that people that reject God over and over again, they become a child of the devil, then their mind and conscience is defiled and they are totally depraved. But not everybody's totally depraved, okay? We're totally dependent on Jesus dying for us because we're guilty and we need a savior, but we're not totally depraved. Only a small percentage of people have their mind and conscience defiled and they're totally depraved. That's not most people because the Bible does not teach that it's children of God or children of the devil. The Bible teaches children of God, children of the devil, and just your normal, everyday, unsaved person. Folks, this is actually worse than Pelagianism, even though it has all the framework of Pelagianism. And not to worry because if you challenge them on it, they are liable to, or they're liable to make affirmations that are totally opposite to the affirmation that they had just previously stated. Still yet, it is Pelagianism on steroids. What Stuckey is presenting is his own version of the heretical doctrine that original sin did not ruin human nature and that man's will is still capable of choosing good or evil without special divine aid. And in this case... This good or evil is simply just accepting or rejecting God or accepting or rejecting Jesus. As a matter of fact, even your own sin does not ruin your nature according to what he is presenting here. Yes, they believe we are all sinners, but apparently our sinful nature and individual sins have not ruined humanity where we cannot remedy our situation by cooperating in salvation with our own free will. In Stuckey's view, this good is the believing on Jesus Christ and the evil that brings ruin to mankind is the rejecting of Jesus Christ. What we say is that man is already ruined. Now this is very important. Was man ruined by the fall or not? 
In the book of Job, we find this question. How can man be justified with God, or how can he be clean that is born of a woman? The psalmist asks in Psalm 130, verse 3, If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? The fact of the matter is that if mankind is ruined, there is nothing man can do. All of mankind is by nature the children of wrath. This is why we all walked in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind according to Ephesians chapter 2. But Stuckey says that if you, by your own free will, believe on Jesus Christ, you have done that good which is acceptable to God for you to be righteous. But if you reject Jesus Christ and continue to reject him, you are establishing an evil that will reprobate yourself eternally from God. Well, I thought the prophet already said that our sins had separated us from God. You see, those who have not by their own free will chosen that which is good or acceptable to bring eternal life, nor have they rejected this good or acceptable work of their own free will enough times in order to damn themselves forever, are just neutral people, according to Matthew Stuckey. They are in a state of innocence, since they have not yet done that which will cause them to inherit eternal life, or done that which will cause them to inherit eternal death. Calvinism says we have already done that which has caused us to inherit eternal death. And that was in original sin. So, they are normal, ordinary, everyday people who are waiting to see if they will obey and receive life or disobey and receive death. This is a covenant of works. Different than that which was established in creation with Adam. But it is a perverted covenant of works that Matthew Stuckey is presenting here. And it is damnable heresy. It just teaches that people that reject God over and over again, they become a child of the devil. Mr. Stuckey, could you please present one passage of scripture that teaches that man becomes depraved only after he has rejected God over and over again. Now, I realize that you're going to try to go to Romans chapter 1, and by doing so, prove once again that you are incapable of category distinctions. Romans chapter 1 shows a progression of man in his depravity because of his suppression of the truth but it is showing the universal sinfulness of man. But it does not present a state of innocence in sin until he rejects God over and over again. In Romans chapter 1, there is one rejection, and then man's progression in his sin until he is filled with all unrighteousness. And, by the way, the rejection in Romans 1 is not a rejection of believing in Jesus. Romans 1 is about the sinfulness of man, and it is not about the remedy for sinners. That comes later. Paul is first dealing with the bad news, and it is man's condition in sin, his state in sin, his fallenness in Adam. Romans 1 is about man's depravity. It's not about God's grace. Now, Paul does get to that. But that is in later chapters. So, where does the Bible say that you become a 
child of the devil when you refuse to believe X amount of times. You specifically state that the Bible does not teach that everybody is a child of the devil, yet we have already pointed out in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8 that says that he that committeth sin is of the devil. Yes, that's right. That means everybody, because what does Paul say in Romans 3.23? All have sinned. So if the one who sins is of the devil, and all have sinned, what does that mean? Now, my math may not be very good, but I would venture to say that if everyone is born in, uh, dead in trespasses and sins, and everyone commits sin, then everyone is born a child of wrath, a slave of Satan, a child of the devil. Then their mind and conscience is defiled, and they are totally depraved. But not everybody's totally depraved, okay? We're totally dependent on Jesus dying for us because we're guilty and we need a Savior, but we're not totally depraved. Only a small percentage of people have their mind and conscience defiled and they're totally depraved. That's not most people because the Bible does not teach that it's children of God or children of the devil. The Bible teaches children of God, children of the devil, and just your normal, everyday, unsaved person. Thank you and God bless. Notice the language here. Mr. Stuckey says that it is only when you reject God over and over again that you become a child of the devil, and then your mind becomes defiled, and you become totally depraved. But what does the Bible say? In Paul's epistle to Titus, he reminds him and instructs him to set in order the things that are lacking in the churches of Crete. One of the tasks that Paul had given to Titus was to ordain elders in every city. Apparently, this lack of godly leadership had opened up the churches of Crete to all kinds of problems, and so Paul tells Titus to ordain men who would hold fast the faithful word so that they would be able, by sound doctrine, to exhort and convince the gainsayers by rebuking those who contradict sound doctrine. Notice Paul states that these gainsayers are able to be convinced even though he describes them as unruly and vain talkers and deceivers who are defiled and unbelieving. He goes on in verses 15 and 16 to say that their minds and conscience is defiled and that they are reprobate to every good work. But he instructs Titus to appoint elders who will hold fast the faithful word as they have been taught so that they may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Now, if there was no hope for those who were defiled and unbelieving, then there would be no reason for faithful elders to hold fast the faithful word. But notice what the Bible says about those who are now saved. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, the fulfilling of the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. But God who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved. Now, before God graciously saved us through the atoning work of Christ, we were dead in trespasses and sins.
We walked according to the course of this world, which is according to the prince and the power of the prince and power of the air. That same spirit that works in the children of disobedience, causing them to walk in the lust of their flesh, fulfilling the desires of their mind, because they are by nature the children of wrath. You see, this is the state of all men who are born in Adam. Notice also in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, in other words, sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God, and such were some of you. But you're washed. But you're sanctified, but you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You see, such were some of you. Thank God, in Christ, we are no longer these things, but we were according to our nature. We were defiled, we were reprobate, we were doing that which is according to our father, the devil. The difference is that those who were but are not now, is that they have been washed, they have been sanctified, they have been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Notice it does not say that the difference now is that there's some kind of mental ascent that Jesus existed or that they invite Jesus into their heart by their own free will or any other such nonsense. But it is because... They have been washed, sanctified, and justified. And this is what we're told in Romans chapter 8. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Those who walk according to the Spirit of Adam, that nature which they possess um, through their being born in him, well, those who mind the things of the Spirit, it's because they have been born again by the Spirit of God. Why? Because to be carnally minded is death, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind, Paul says, is enmity against God. It is the enemy of God. Because it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be, so that they that are in the flesh cannot please God. You see, those who are in the flesh cannot do anything that is pleasing to God. Even the faith of the natural man is reprobate. It's nothing but filthy rags. The difference is that those who are in Christ have been delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of Christ, as Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 12, where he gives thanks to the Father, which, has, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints of light who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. In Acts chapter 26 and verse 18, the mission of the apostles as they were sent forth was to open the eyes of those who were the enemies of God and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. 
that they might receive the forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in him. Therefore, there are not normal, ordinary, everyday, unsaved people. There is only one kind of people who are born into Adam and from Adam. People who are enslaved to the power of Satan. Those who were born dead and in darkness who are unable to recover themselves unless God is gracious unto them and opening their eyes and delivering them from darkness and turning them from the power of Satan unto himself. Now, I guess you could say that common, ordinary, everyday unbelievers are those who are vile, wretched, wicked, reprobate, children of Satan. But that's not what Matthew Stuckey is doing. He is attempting to establish his own righteousness by saying, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I am just a normal, ordinary, everyday unbeliever who has by my own free will done that which is pleasing and acceptable to be righteous. My friends, this is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is another gospel that damns man in his normal, ordinary, and everyday fallen condition in Adam because it is void of the power of the Spirit working through the Word for salvation. Truly, Paul told Titus, They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. Therefore, we are to rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith. Let me conclude with a quote by John Calvin in a sermon on Galatians. Calvin preached, and I quote, I term it salvation of free gift, because it is given us simply of God, so as we bring not anything with us, but only an eager desire to be filled with the thing that we want. Therefore it standeth us on hand to come as poor beggars unto God, if we mind to be justified for our Lord Jesus Christ's sake. For if we imagine ever so small a drop of deserving in ourselves, it stoppeth us from coming to our Lord Jesus Christ. And not without cause doth an ancient doctor say that we cannot receive the salvation that is offered us in our Lord Jesus Christ, except we have first dispatched the minding of our own deserts and acknowledge that there is nothing but utter wretchedness in ourselves. End of quote. As Dr. James White wrote, Faith then abandons all claim to any merit or reward. It is a passive instrument. It is not meritorious in itself. The songwriter in that great hymn, Rock of Ages, wrote, Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. We hope you'll join us again next time here on Standing Firm. And until then, may God bless. Thank you for listening to Standing Firm. Please consider helping us in this battle for Christendom as we assault the gates of hell with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
You can write us at Reformed Church of the Holy Trinity, P.O. Box 1125, Mooresville, Indiana, 46158. That is Reformed Church of the Holy Trinity, P.O. Box 1125, Mooresville, Indiana, 46158. Or you can visit us online at reformedholytrinity.org.